All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm here today with Ed D'Elia. Ed is president of D'Elia Associates, a B2B brand and growth firm based in White House, New Jersey. As a second generation of the firm founded by his father, Ed, and his team of 12, serve a broad range of manufacturers in a variety of market sectors, helping them to use brand power to accentuate growth. In the last four years alone, Delia Associates has received over 50 industry awards for B2B brand and marketing effectiveness. So, Ed, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Lisa. Great to be here. So share with us a little bit about your background and what led you to do what you're doing with Delia. Sure. Delia Associates was founded in 1964 by my father and being being part of a family and a family business, you grow up around it. So I was always in and, and involved in the, the family business, but never really seeing it as a, a future occupation until shortly after college, I was all set to take a job outside of Philadelphia. And dad and I had one of those heart-to-heart talks. And he said, what do you think about coming into the business, learning it from the ground up and you buy me out and you take it over? And I took a weekend to think about it and said, wow, I'm about to pass up on business ownership. I don't think I should do that so hastily. So I said, yes, let's do this. And I think when you're in a good place, when time kind of flies and I looked up and a year passed by and I, like, I blinked, I'm like, wow, okay, things are moving fast. I'm learning a lot. I'm doing a lot. This must be a really good fit for me. So that's really where it all started. And then a few years later, we, we executed the buyout process. And then some years later, my dad retired and the ship was mine. It started as a traditional business-to-business advertising and PR firm. And I always had a real keen interest and passion for brand. After taking over, I started to really explore and immerse myself in the power of brand and realized at the time there was an unmet need where there were a lot of manufacturers who were our clients, and they've always historically been clients in manufacturing and engineering and processing technologies and automation. There was no real clear sensibility of brand and the power of brand. So it became my mission to to bring that to them and to bring that to that audience and help them understand how powerful brand could be when their marketing programs were enriched with a brand strategy and a brand intent. So that became my life's work to date. Okay. When you think of manufacturing, you think of brands with the really large manufacturers out there. But when it comes to your small and medium mid-sized manufacturers, how important is your brand to near and long-term success and growth of the organization, no matter your size? I would say even for the small manufacturers, it's critical because all of them are competing. Right? They're competing with companies of same size, of smaller size, and oftentimes they're trying to compete with much bigger entities. So in order for them to have a voice in the mix, they really can use brand power to accentuate their reason for being, their mission, the value that they bring to, we often say to our clients, because some of them are small and mid-sized manufacturers, 
it's not about being the, the biggest. It's about being positioned as the best. Because when a buyer sees you as the best possible option, and they have that emotional connection through your brand, they're going to say, we're going to go with this firm. They're the best. They're the best fit for what we need right now. And, and that's really how we aim to position our clients. So if they, I mean, everybody has a brand, no matter if they've really focused on it or not. And especially in the last couple of years where everything has changed, how would a manufacturer know when it's time to either maybe rebrand or rethink their image and their position in the marketplace? It's a great question. And we come up against that one a lot. We often say that it's time to rebrand. And we see this a lot when the capabilities of the organization have outpaced the image. So the, we'll often hear things from CEOs like, we're, we're capable of so much more. We're capable of bigger opportunities. We're not getting them. We're, the larger clients or the bigger engagements aren't seeing our value. And that's because their capabilities, from a capability standpoint, they're up to task. They can handle the biggest, the strongest, the most complex requirements. But from a brand standpoint, they're just not being seen that way. I often say to clients, it's not, we all know about, if we use a fishing metaphor, we all know about the big one that got away. But what I'm more worried about are all the fish that circled the bait and never took a bite because they said, no, this is not a good fit for us. They're not up to task. They can't handle our needs on the basis of how their brand is positioned. It's very critical to make sure that the brand is commensurate with the capabilities of the organization. And a lot of times we see that the, the organization has outpaced its own identity. And that's when it's time for a refresh. And there's probably about... 10 other triggers that we see that are common reasons to, to rethink or reposition the brand. But that would be a big one. You know, and I think of branding and branding and marketing and all of this stuff, and it just sounds really expensive. So what are some things that some low cost ideas that, that can get manufacturers to get started about thinking of their brand and then determining where they want to go if they want to make a larger investment, but take that fear and that, oh boy, I'm going to have to write a massive check to get anything done. You know, wh- how can they get started? One of the things that we often do as a first step is before we even endeavor to get into discussions around the brand, we start into a very focused conversation around growth. Because sometimes if a manufacturing leader doesn't fully understand or can't wrap their head around brand initially, they most certainly understand growth. And a lot of times what we will do is work through a, we have a bit of a growth model where we help them prioritize the top three to five growth channels for their organization that is ultimately going to move the lever and the needle. And then from there, we start to assess whether that growth strategy could be realized with the current brand or if a, in fact, a brand revitalization is required. So it's not always necessary and it's not always the first step. It's just an important step when the company is stalled or has hit a a plateau or is being held back by the brand. And then it's easier to make that value proposition because it's not so much what we're paying for, it's what we're losing in terms to competitors or the opportunities we're not getting. If we had a stronger brand, we would be growing faster and further. And companies, it's been proven that companies will, who are well-branded will outpace their non-branded counterparts about two to one. So there is definitely an acceleration there once you do go down the path. So when you talk about growth, I mean, that probably means a lot of things to other people. And you said different components of growth. 
So what do you mean by that? So when we look at a B2B enterprise or a manufacturing enterprise, there's three primary methods of growth. You either get more new customers, you either extend and expand current relationships with current customers, or you increase buying frequency. Those are the three primary methods of growth for a B2B organization or manufacturer. From there, what we've modeled is for each one of those methods, there's 10 growth channels that a manufacturer could engage in to create that growth. Now, what you're left with then is 30 growth channels. That's a lot for anybody to swallow. Even a large organization never suggests that. So what we work with our clients to do is say, all right, what are the top three to five that in the next 15 to 24 months will most readily and rapidly move the needle for this organization? And that's what we prioritize. And then that's what we encourage their forward-facing service and sales teams to prioritize. And then that's what's the prioritization in marketing. So we're always working towards a growth strategy so that at the end of a period of time, we can say, how did we move the needle? Did we ultimately affect the change? And the strategies could range from either expanding a service line or expanding to a new market sector or an adjacent market. Let's just say the manufacturer sells into pharmaceutical and they see an opportunity to sell into maybe the veterinary market or medical device market. Okay, that's an adjacent or somewhat adjacent issue. Let's look at how to pivot, extend that way. Or it could also be establishing joint ventures or partnerships with other supply chain providers to extend their reach. It could also involve, and this is one that big and large, big and small manufacturers miss, asking for referrals and introductions. It sounds mm-hmm. simple, uh, but you would be surprised that even the most accomplished sales professionals don't do that or don't know how to do that well. So sometimes it's as simple as that. We helped the company almost double in two years just by virtue of saying, look at all the relationships you have. Just imagine if you went out and smartly asked for introductions and they did, and the growth was phenomenal. So wow. those are just a few of the, um, the, the channels of growth that we would endeavor. Well, and I think the important thing to learn from that lesson is a lot of times we're going to hire a marketing company to come in and do a rebranding and we want to do everything at once. And like you said, there's 30 different channels that they could choose from. And then just determining from a standpoint of what is the three that we should at least start with and get those going. And maybe that baby step is we're going to teach you how to ask for referrals So it's not doing everything all at once. It's doing one thing, getting good at that, then doing the next thing. So it's almost like you're getting 1% better with everything that you're doing that over time is going to lead to big changes, but not getting, it sounds like you're helping them to not be overwhelmed with this whole process by reining them in a little bit. Very much, very well stated. We often say it's better to execute with excellence than do too much of too little. So I would rather see a company do three to five things incredibly well than to try to take on 10 or 15 initiatives and fail at all of them. And that's part of the prioritization is what's going to get them down the path the best way, the furthest, the fastest, in the best possible way. And that's where we prioritize. So yeah, it's not always doing it all at once. We also have to be considerate of bandwidth too and their resources and what they can do and manage and afford at a given period of time uh, that's commensurate with their organization. 
So that's factored in as well. So I would never put on the table a, a massive program for, a, say, a small niche manufacturer that they could never afford or never even undertake. It doesn't make sense. It's rather, let's pick some doable strategies and paths that align with our focus, our desire for growth, and okay. let's work on those and execute well. So from aside from increased visibility that we've been talking about with brand, what do you think are some of the other benefits that people get when they portray a strong brand? Interestingly, over the last, I'd say two, two to three years, we're getting more requests for rebrand from the manufacturing community that are being driven by HR than are be driven, being driven by sales and marketing. And the reason is a lot of manufacturers are really struggling to attract and retain great talent. In many cases, they have an employee population that is starting to age out, starting to look to retirement. Those people have a lot of tribal knowledge. They know a lot and they can do a lot, but eventually they're going to they're gonna say, okay, I'm done. It's time to retire. And there's just not that next generation that's coming up through the ranks that's going to take on those positions. And a lot of the, the emerging workforce generations, mainly the millennials and a little bit of Gen Y, are just not seeing manufacturing as a real sexy path, despite the fact that they can do great things in manufacturing, they can make uh, some really healthy incomes in manufacturing. Right. So we've been doing a lot of brand development and a lot of campaigning around attracting talent versus attracting new customers for our manufacturing clients. So that's become a big benefit. And a lot of the leadership in manufacturing is realizing we better look the part for this emerging generation. We better showcase as a place that welcomes them, is a good place for them to, to come, to grow, to develop as our next great employee population. Wow. Yeah, that's such a good point because I know a lot of times on this show, we talk about workforce and how hard it is to find people who want to come into manufacturing and then what do you do to keep them. So it sounds like when you have that strong brand and you are creating a workplace that people are proud to work for because it's known, it's a brand that's respected, it's a brand that people are proud to work for and to do business with, it would make it easier to attract people to to at least check out the organization. Yeah. And the emerging workforce, they really, they're, they're a little different than maybe you're in my day when we were entering the workforce and just happy to get a job. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's just get that first job. That's all we care about. They want to work for a place that has meaning, that is contributing to the greater good, that has purpose, that they're on a journey, that there's growth. So they're looking for a lot more out of the experience of working and the manufacturing leadership really needs to be attentive to that and, and can't stick to the old ways of just saying, oh, just be happy to be employed and have a job. Lots of places and ways for them to go do that. And they don't need to be in the manufacturing community to do that. So manufacturers have to work harder to, and I would say the industry at large could, could also be doing a better job at doing some of that missionary work to showcase manufacturing as a great career path for the next generation workforce. Oh, absolutely. There was so much gold in what you just said there, but even showcasing manufacturing, what dawned on me too is manufacturing day 
the first Friday in October to really use that as even a kickoff to your branding to show that this is what we're doing in the community. This is how we're interacting. This is our brand. And and also to realize that we are not going back to the good old days. Sometimes in my talk, when I'm talking about keeping your top talent from becoming someone else's, and these people come in and they have that attitude that nobody wants to work anymore, and I can't pay these people enough, and they're not willing to pay their dues. Nobody's going to pay their dues anymore. They don't want to do the crap work that nobody else wants to do because so that they can get the tenure and they can build up their ways. No, it's a different world where you're not coddling your employees. You're treating them with respect. You're listening to their ideas and you're creating a workplace environment that is in this post-pandemic employee-centric marketplace that we are just not going back to. So I'm sure that you have dealt with prospects and a lot of whom get it that they have to change. And then other ones that say, I don't need to do any of that. We've been doing it this way for 50 years. (laughs) Those are probably not the ones you're working with. (laughs) No, they and those that maybe tried to hold true to that are quickly changing their tune and realizing that It used to be easier to get people to come work for them. And now it's not. And now they have to work a lot harder at it. And some of them are like, do we really have to do all that? And I'm like, if you want great talent, yeah. Yeah. You got to fight for it. And if you're willing to fight for it and you're willing to give them a great experience and a great environment, and they're going to stay and grow, you're going to grow. Because great talent drives the bus a lot faster than than throwing a body at at an assignment. Right. And the interesting thing, too, is we used to worry about losing our people to other competitive manufacturers down the street. And now with all the options they have, we're not losing them to other manufacturers. We're losing them to Amazon. We're losing them to Uber. We're learning losing them to DoorDash because people want to have their own business and do their own thing instead of being disrespected and being told what to do and treated like another cog in the wheel. That's the image that we need to change with manufacturing and with branding and with really getting the word out there, we can do that. So when you're working, how would you suggest that manufacturers go about developing a realistic growth strategy for their company? So it starts with, again, with prioritization, with really looking at the three primary methods of growth and then assessing the growth channels and really taking a careful assessment of which ones are most relevant to that organization at this point in time. And those are the ones that we can then dig into and focus on and build a real growth strategy and then subsequent marketing planning and then potentially brand planning around that to build a framework that they can start to use and work toward so that everybody all everybody's flying in formation in the organization. Everybody understands what the growth priorities are and everybody's working because when you get that momentum behind it, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. But without that, if there's confusion or people don't really know, that's when manufacturing organizations flounder because nobody really knows what the priority is or where they're going or what the focus is. So they need to know that. uh, And that needs to be reinforced and reemphasized on a, on an ongoing basis. It's not a one and done and you're there. You got to keep working at it and keep working at it 
And then you get there and you get that momentum going. And once that momentum going gets going, it's really exciting. It's an exciting for right. all. Yeah. So what have you found to be some of the most effective marketing methods that manufacturing brands can use to reach new audiences? So there's some new and some old. I would say right now, and this is something of a post-COVID, getting together and gathering. People really love getting back to trade shows and conferences just because they couldn't for so long. And it's human nature to want to gather. In the last year, two years, our clients have all been very aggressive about going back to shows and meeting and greeting in person again, just to reestablish that human connection. An interesting byproduct legacy of the COVID era is webinars and remote learning has become so prevalent. So a lot of our clients are having great success doing and being part of webinars and hosting webinars for when you can't gather in person because there's enough of a comfort level with that kind of engagement and interaction. But person to person right now just seems to be, that's still that relief. Oh gosh, we can gather again. Goodness, we can get together again and it's safe and it's okay. And, and so we're seeing a lot of success in nothing new, but the trade show or conference experience is a lot of action. Content, of course, video, social engagement are all also strong engagement. And believe it or not, email marketing still works for the B2B manufacturer. Uh, still an effective form of prospect engagement. Because as a B2B manufacturer, it's not like a consumer brand where you're trying to reach this big, broad, wide audience. You've got much a much more well-defined sandbox of opportunity. Uh, your targets, your target buyers are much more consolidated. So it's a little bit easier to reach them through direct channels as well. And, and that's also proving to be effective. But yeah, trade shows well, are back and they're great. Oh, I believe me, last year especially, because it was not only did all the conferences that I speak to have record attendance, but people were just so darn glad to be back. Absolutely. It was just this happiness about it. It was really oh, awesome. Yeah. Great energy. <laughs> it's really it was nice to see because especially in manufacturing, they're used to that kind of engagement. That's an important way of developing new relationships and reaffirming existing ones too. Yeah. Uh, to see a lot of clients in a short amount of time and as well as new ones. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, the virtual events were fine, but as I always just said, you know what, my audiences, they want to get together, network and drink beer together. I want to sit on some eight hour virtual event. So yeah, it's good. So as we're getting to the end of our time together, what would you say is your best tip from a marketing and branding standpoint for manufacturers? So one of the best things that a, especially a manufacturing CEO can do, and we call it putting on their brand eyes. So just to simply take stock of where they are, just to walk into their operation as though they were walking in for the first time. And what do they see? To go on the website as though they're going to it for the first time, what do they see? To go on their LinkedIn page, what do they see? Mm. Is it representing and reflecting who they truly are? Or is it representing and reflecting who they were? And if they start to think, gosh, that's really who we were, not who we are, then yeah, the time might be right to start rethinking the brand or at least starting to endeavor into that conversation. We also do for for people that are unsure, we do a quick brand assessment. So we're checking down what we call the 10 key brand parameters to help essentially score their brand to see where they're at. And if in fact, they're at that 
tipping point where brand revitalization might be merited. So it's a nice tool to quickly say, all right, where are we? Yeah. So if somebody did want to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Always can give me an email, send me an email at bdelia at delianet.com, D-E-L-I-A-N-E-T.com. There's also our website, or they can uh, always give me a call and do it the old fashioned way. So uh, <laughs> and that, all that information is on our site. It's pretty, um, pretty findable and easy to reach. I, I don't mind picking up the phone and talking to manufacturers. I've spent my whole career, and even as a young child, in and out of uh, manufacturing floors, know the industry quite well. And it is such a wonderful and dynamic industry to be a part of. So very grateful to be a part of it. Yes, it is. Ed, thank you again so much for being with me on the show today. My pleasure, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturers Network Podcast. Do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow this network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either send your buddies to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the Manufacturers Network podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow the network, the stronger and deeper the community will all have. Thanks again, and I appreciate you.